Are you in your studio apartment in Chicago? I am. I'm exactly where I do my podcast, my ins and my outs. So, yeah, episode 60, that's pretty great. Check, check, one, two. You're listening to... The reigning defending NWA national champion. Well, not yet if we don't want spoilers. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Spoilers. <laughs> it's already on net. It's not necessarily a spoiler. Well, I mean, at one time I was the national champion, and one day I will wrestle James Storm, and I advise everybody to check out YouTube slash NWA. And I might possibly be the NWA champ once again. The national champ, that is. Yeah, power with the three R. That's right. So you've worked with a lot of different promoters throughout your career. How is Billy Corgan different from everyone else that you've worked with? Well, nobody I've wrestled for before has, you know, played Budokan Hall or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's it's something wild. You know, I have wrestled for the Insane Clown Posse before, so I have wrestled for giant music superstars. But Billy, you know, he has a vision. He knows what he wants. He knows what he likes. And so I've really only directly wrestled for him basically this, you know, I, I guess a couple times in Chicago and a couple times for the NWA, but he was really hands-on for this taping. So to me, it was the start of my relationship with Billy and wrestling with him and for him. So it was very early in the process, but I look forward to it. And I totally respect the guy, you know, he's an artist. And he wants to paint some pictures through professional wrestling now, and that's kind of cool. How long have you been working with them, the relationship is going on? Well, I, you know, just recently I posted a video on my YouTube of wrestling Reckless Youth where I won the NWA Illinois State Championship in 2003, and that's when I used to wrestle for Ed Schumann for the NWA Midwest branch, and that was kind of my first start and foray with NWA, and that again, that was 2003, so after that, you know, I wrestled and I became the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and that was 2011-ish. So that was with Dave Marquez and a couple other guys. So, you know, it's just been different ownerships of the NWA. But I have been wrestling, you know, on NWA shows and with NWA affiliates for many, many years now. So now it's, you know, it's like you said before, Billy Corrigan and Dave Lagana. And I have a great relationship with Dave Lagana, who I like a lot. And I think that's why things are really working out. Okay. Moving on to your wrestling style Throughout the years, how has your wrestling style evolved? Well, I think a lot of people know me as a funny man. I like to do comedy in the wrestling ring, but that wasn't always the case when I first started. You know, I learned the very basics of professional wrestling. I was taught the basics of wrestling, and eventually it kind of evolved from there. So I was very basic and very regular when I first started. And then over the years, especially when I went to England and I learned kind of some of the different world of sports style of professional wrestling, I started to implement that and then with a lot of the comedy also. So it's just been a really long process. Is comedy wrestling always been accepted or there are some people who are not open to comedy wrestling? Yeah, well, the same way that people only like country music and they think all other music sucks. It's the same thing with comedy wrestling. But there's also people who love all types of music. And in my mind, you should kind of have an open mind and an open heart. But of course, there's always going to be critics of people who don't want to accept something that they don't like. And that's just the world. You recently wrestled in the New Japan Cup in Japan. That's really cool. Thank you. Yes. Your wrestling style is also a breath of fresh air from the strong style card. So it's like there's variations when you watch the tournament in general. Do you change your style a lot if you wrestle a more aggressive wrestler? Or do you still have that comedic element in your wrestling? Well, I think based on the New Japan Cup, you would know that answer a little bit because, you know, with Yano, it was very silly. And then I had to wrestle Sonata, who would go on to the finals against Okada. And in the match with Sonata, I wasn't as silly. I was a little more focused because I knew he was very serious. 
Whereas when I wrestle someone like Yano, you know, I, I know that he's going to be a silly boy. So I'm tr- maybe trying to match that or match that energy. And so, yeah. And if the stipulations are a little bigger, you know, I, I might bring it a little bigger match of energy. I, I didn't really expect to go that far in the tournament. So I just wanted to have fun. And then before you know it, I'm in the quarterfinals and uh, I kind of realized what was at stake. And now I realized, oh, maybe I should, you know, take this a little more seriously. And I didn't. I had a great match with Sonata. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to win, but you know, he went all the way to the very finals. And so that's impressive on his own. Kokobena versus Okada would have been great as well. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. You never know. Maybe the G1. <laughs> Are you keen on doing a very rigorous G1 schedule? Are you open to that? Yeah, I would love to do that. Of course, you know, I wrestled for pro wrestling Noah for five years. They had a global tournament, the global heavyweight tournament, where I wrestled a kind of a similar schedule. Yes, you know, that was probably 2013, 2014. What about Tokyo Dome? Is there a possibility for you to be in Wrestle Kingdom? Well, I'm putting my fingers and I'm crossing them together. I would love to do something like that. You know, this year, I got to wrestle in Madison Square Garden, which was pretty cool for a wrestler like me. And I I think the next thing on the list would be able to wrestle at the Tokyo Dome, which would be unbelievable and a dream come true. And I'm just hoping. Wink, wink to Gido. That's right. (laughs) So I want to talk about MJF a little bit because there's a storyline between you and him that a lot of the mainstream wrestling fans are not aware of. There's a storyline between you and him that you are his alleged dad. Yeah, well, you can go on my YouTube channel. I put some stuff up. We played catch in the ring and we did uh, paternity results. So yeah, you know, there was a paternity result, a test, and it did come back that I am his father. And it was when I was very young in the wrestling world and I couldn't stay and be his father. I had to go out and win championships and get on the road. And now, you know, here we are 23 years later, he's got a big chip on his shoulder that he never had a dad. And so, you know, what can I say? I'm sorry. You guys do have a bit of similar features. Yeah, that's because I'm his dad. (laughs) Are you proud of the man that he's become right now in AEW? Well, I'm proud of the success he's had as a wrestler. I don't know about the man he's become. He's a little bit of a snot. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) For someone as young and talented as him, the older he gets, the more his body is going to break down and all that. So do you think for someone hip, he'll be able to stay in the wrestling business for a very long time? Well, look at Jericho. Jericho's 50 years old. I mean, all of our bodies break down eventually, but Jericho's still doing it at such an unbelievable rate. And so, you know... MJF doesn't really do anything crazy. He's, you know, he's a regular wrestler with a lot of personality and a great little gimmick going for himself. So I think he'll be more than okay, yes. Diff Meltzer, he has this star rating for matches, right? Do you think it's possible to have a five-star comedy match? Yeah, I think I had one with Yano in New Japan. I'm sure the opponent also plays a part for the match to be great, right? Other than Yano, who else do you think you can have a great match with in the ring? Well, I've wrestled most of the comedy guys, or at least the better ones over my career. And I've had really funny matches and fun matches with wrestlers like Kikutaro and Grado and Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. And, you know, even stuff with Mike Quackenbush I've done, there's a lot of comedy elements to it. So so there is a lot of good wrestlers out there. Joey Ryan, you know, Joey Ryan and I wrestled in front of 8,000 people at Sumo Hall in Tokyo for DDT. And that was one of the most fun matches I've ever had. So there's a lot of really skilled wrestlers out there and I look forward to wrestling all of them. Did you have to do the dick flip with uh, Joey Ryan? I, well, if you go online and you go on my YouTube channel, you will see I made him flip his own self with his own dick. <laughs> my favorite podcast from Out of Wrestling is actually you and Kevin Steen, I think episode 150. You guys were in Australia when you guys recorded the podcast. Yes, I remember this one. Yeah, I, I really like that podcast. You guys have really great chemistry. Oh, he's a good friend of mine. Thank yeah. You. 
Out of Wrestling is reaching towards its final episodes. Do you think there'll be a future interview with you and Kevin Steen? Yeah, I, you know, you never know. Right now, I don't think the WWE really lets people do podcasts that aren't, you know, within their circle or bubble with these wrestlers. So at the moment, probably not. But, you know, hopefully one day we'll do some more podcasting. When WWE prevented you from doing more interviews with the wrestlers, did it contribute to you having to change the format of your podcasting style? No, it was just a time, time to change. And you've pretty much done with almost all the wrestlers that the one that you really want to do the podcast with, right? Yeah, well, you know, in 2020, I'm going to do a new season of some of the long form podcasts. So say subscribe to my podcast feed and there's going to be some more with some people that I've wanted to do that I haven't been able to do in the last two years. I have some questions from a fellow podcast in Singapore. They are called Kick to the Gut. They ask, what advice can you give to wrestling podcasters to make them stand out? Well, number one, I always say, you know, audio is so important. Nobody's going to give you a second chance, at least not for a couple of years. So if they listen to your podcast right away and it's bad audio, then no one's going to want to even listen to it, even if the content is really good. So make sure you have really good audio and it sounds really professional. Yeah, you know, if it doesn't sound professional, again, people will just turn it off right away, even if the content is wonderful. If it doesn't sound professional, then no one's probably going to give it a, a real shot. And then the other thing I would always say is have a real point of view. You should have a reason why people listen to you and why people go directly to you because there's thousands of podcasts, maybe millions now. And if you don't have something special about you and the reason why people should listen, then why should people listen? So be very passionate about why you are doing a podcast. Next question is your thoughts on the indie scene when it first started and the state of it now? Well, it's, I mean, you know, it's pretty, at least in America and in England, at least in Canada, you know, it's become more of a cool hipster night out thing to do. Whereas when I started, it was really, really all about family-friendly shows, almost like afternoon shows. Like It wasn't really part of like the cool culture of the nightlife. And now that's kind of a thing, which I, I think is one of the big difference into helping the indie wrestlers become more popular because now people in the pop culture talk about indie wrestling like it's a thing, and then that helps give you a buzz. So, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of it was just in local gymnasiums, and it was just kind of something to bring the kids to, where... Now it's really something to sink your teeth into. Okay. You're doing a lot of stuff right now, like doing comedy, stand-up comedy, and you're doing acting as well. How do you divide your time in a week? Do you do more wrestling or do you have more than the other two? Well, I obviously do more wrestling. I'm on the road every single week. So, uh, you know, I keep a schedule, a wrestling schedule. And then when there's no wrestling happening, you know, I like to fill it in by doing some comedy or doing some acting or doing you know, writing or whatever it might be. So, but of course, wrestling is king. It's what I do. It's what I'm good at. It's what I've trained at. And that's kind of always going to be number one, I feel. Wow. But how much like stand-up comedy and acting do you do per se? I don't know. Just whenever opportunity arises. So, you know, sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's a little. It's just kind of whenever it comes to me. Would you like to do stand-up comedy in Singapore or would you rather wrestle? I'd probably rather wrestle in Singapore, but I'd like to do anything in Singapore. I've never been. That would be a dream come true. I think it's better if you make it official. Just say it. Colt Cabana wants to wrestle in Singapore. Colt Cabana wants to wrestle in Singapore. Please, if anyone's listening in Singapore that can make this happen, please make this happen. And I will bring you American goodies and whatever you would like. Now, when you come here, I'll be your master. You know, I'll pay for your food. 
Oh, you don't look like fat ass though. <laughs> you could be skinny ass master. Skinny ass master. Yeah, I really hope that someday you'll come to Singapore and I'll make sure you know I I'll try to upgrade your hotel or something. Make sure you're as comfortable in Singapore as possible. I think you'll love it here. Uh, well, that's a quote. You heard it here first. I'm getting upgraded. I'm going to live the good life. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really don't want to take up too much of your time. We are really one of the people that inspired me to start my podcast in the first place. And without Out of Wrestling, there will be no Do Not Click podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's all, I'm almost coming up on nine or t- almost 10 years here of podcasting, which is a long time. So it's been great to me and hopefully it's great to you. And hopefully everyone who listens will tell their friends. And you'll get more and more listeners. And then, you know, one day you'll be the king of podcasting. <laughs> You're actually opening a lot of doors for me. Now that if I approach other wrestlers to do this, they'll be like, oh, Colts, that's done your podcast. Maybe I'll do it too. Then they'll, they'll be more open to it. There you go. Good move. Thank you so much, man. I hope you have a great night in Chicago. And, you know, and I hope that your schedule is going to be filled up with all the wrestling stuff all the wrestling my little heart desires. Yes. And people are going to buy your merchandise and all that at Colt merch.com it's all available through coltcabana.com all right thank you coltcabana all right thanks thanks buddy okay bud